Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. Joining me now for The Upcoming's 44th episode, straight out of Long Beach, California. He's an alum of Vanguard University with his bachelor in kinesiology, magnum cum laude, by the way. And while he was on his path to become a physician assistant, he ended up finding his love for data and science. So took a year on boot camp at Cal State uh, Long Beach, where he was studying data science analytics. And now he's using those talents with Los Angeles Metro. So along the way, he's also showing his love for cars and automobiles by doing his own car detailing service on the side. And I expect soon he'll have his own shop, you know, because the sky's the limit. So without further ado, I bring to you one of my all-time best friends and just an awesome guy, Harrison Sutton. How's it going, Harrison? Good. How are you doing, John? You know, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good. So, yeah, Harrison, in the upcoming, I always let my guests introduce themselves. So, please, indulge us. Who and what exactly are you? Yeah. Well, as you know, I'm Harrison Sutton. I have a love for cars, numbers, you know, how things work. And, uh, of course, I've been listening to this podcast. And when I had the opportunity to be on it, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. I was pretty happy. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank you, Great man. to be Thank here. You. Yeah, so just um, take us back, Harrison. You know, to like when you first, you know, started on the path you were going before you eventually you found yourself going in a different direction. And tell us about, like, just the whole movement with, you know, science. I understand you started first with, you know, health science and biology and kinesiology. Yeah. A little bit about that. Right. It's kind of kind of goes off what I learned this year was that everything is temporary. And I thought my initial career goal of going into whether medical school or physician assistant school to be a doctor or a PA or something, I thought that idea was permanent. But I had, going through my undergrad at Vanguard University, it kind of changed my mind on that. Um, I switched from biology to kinesiology, still was leaning toward uh, going to PA school instead of med school initially, uh, but it was uh, definitely a struggle. It was very hard, and uh, I was starting to lose interest in it as I was wrapping up my undergrad. It was very, very hard, uh, and I'd always had an interest in numbers. Like As a kid growing up, uh, I always tried to... S- look for numerical patterns, like in traffic, looking at the license plates, I'd try and figure out the different numerical patterns of them or uh, uh, how often a certain bird or dog goes by, you know, just stuff like that. And I had thought like, well, this is just useless information, a useless skill. What am I going to do with that? But uh, I, so I, I kept doing my undergrad, uh, trying to struggle, get through it. Um, I, growing up, I was diagnosed with ADHD, uh, which originally was a real struggle, but I've found ways to kind of uh, use it to my advantage, if you will, <laughs> going forward. But I'll get more, touch more on that later. So while I was wrapping up at Vanguard, I had looked into Salesforce, um, wasn't really interested in that, but I was interested with the coding side of Salesforce. I even took a coding class back in high school and really liked it. So I decided to look more at that, took a JavaScript class, liked it. Uh, and then I saw the opportunity for the data science and analytics boot camp. I was currently working just to kind of save money and get some experience because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, so I was working in the insurance business and I jumped at the opportunity to take the class and I liked it. It was a year long boot camp going through coding, Python, SQL, uh, on Google Collab, Power BI, Tableau, all the programs they use in data science and analytics. And I wasn't sure about it. So I'm like, I just like numbers, whatever. But uh, the type of people in that field are really cool, really down to earth. They're amazing at what they do. Uh, it was a very encouraging boot camp. Uh, 
And they talked about all the different things you can do. Like it's not just running the code, looking at the numbers and the data. Also a big part of it is presenting it, like how to present it to an audience, stuff like that. So there's just so many things you can do with it. Um, every day I had that class, so I always looked forward to it. I never dreaded it. I used to really dread going to class. So that was kind of a sign like, hey, this is something I, I should probably look into. Uh, and while I was doing that program, I had a, a few unfortunate things happen to me. I, I was uh, working in Alliance Insurance Services, and I was expecting that to be a more long-term thing. I thought I'd be sticking with that and becoming an analyst for them or working in IT or something. I thought it was going to go somewhere because it was a permanent job. Uh, I was abruptly fired from that position. Uh, it was um, kind of a mess going on. So I'm very happy uh, that that happened because it opened up a new uh, path for me, if you will. Uh, I briefly worked at Disney because I wanted to finish up the program. I worked as a door attendant at the Disneyland Hotel. And going from working from home to uh, standing outside in the sun all day at Disneyland, it, it was fun. But it was definitely a change of pace, if you will. But uh, I wouldn't trade that for the world. At first, I was like, shoot, I wish I didn't get fired. Why am I working at Disneyland? But uh, I saw it as a great opportunity. Um, it's pretty cool working at the happiest place on earth. And the people I worked with had some really cool stories. Uh, a lot of couples working there, a lot of families who worked there. It's it's pretty cool how passionate people can be about something. And I, I never saw someone so passionate about work until I worked at Disney briefly. <laughs> uh, and then after that, as you said, after working at Disney, I wanted to try and get back on the computer, whether with data science, analytics, or IT. I didn't know which way to go, but I was still determined to finish my program at Cal State Long Beach. And the opportunity happened at Metro as a transportation associate, entry-level trainee. Um, it was in downtown LA and they wanted me in person every day, which was fine. I was driving every day down to Anaheim for Disneyland. So I took it and uh, the rest was history. I uh, rekindled my love for automobiles. And uh, of course, even though we don't work with cars, we work with buses and trains and those are on wheels too. Uh, and it's great because the product we put out, it gets people to work every day or wherever they need to go. So it's, it's kind of cool cool to see the product, if you will. Uh, in both my time at Disney and Metro, I always saw a deep, strong connection to the product, like you can even interact with the customer, see how they're doing. Uh, and unfortunately, when I worked insurance, I was just a licensing assistant. So I felt extremely disconnected from the customer or the product, if you will. I didn't, I didn't really see my work. Uh, I didn't really feel like I was contributing to much. So I was very blessed uh, to have lost that job, ironically, because it brought me two great opportunities that definitely changed my outlook on things. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, yeah, it's so funny how, like, just where you think things are going bad and uh, one part of life, it actually leads to something better. It's, it's exactly, it's, it's, it's just beautiful right there. It's just, it's, it's like, okay, so this was meant to happen, really. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about, um, I'm talking about your love for um, numbers a little bit, but I also want to talk about you know your love for automobiles because yeah yeah you're someone who I know absolutely just adores you know cars and uh, vehicles. So tell us about your love for about, about that and like where your love for cars came from. Yeah, well, it came from my older brothers. They had some Hot Wheels cars, and that was the first thing I started playing with, even as a toddler. And when I learned to speak, uh, the first thing my parents remembered me talking about was cars. I actually talked them into buying their first car. Well, they, they've had a cars for a while, but when I was uh, three years old, uh, they took me to this uh, like test drive thing where they uh, drove these trucks on kind of an off-road track. I think it was a Chevrolet. It was for the Tahoe and Suburban. I think the Hummer, but they took it on this kind of trail where it went through like on the side and went through dips and stuff. And I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. So I talked their ears off about those trucks and they're like, well, Harrison likes it. We got to get one. <laughs> so uh, they bought 
bought me more Hot Wheels cars because they got the impression I was passionate about cars. And I, I started like reading the bottom of them, like uh, figuring out like, oh, uh, this is what this car is and stuff. And uh, I started learning what the cars were. And pretty soon by the time I was three and a half or four, I was sitting in my car seat. Whenever they take me down the road, I'd be uh, pointing at every car driving by telling my parents and telling my brothers and their friends what they were. And my brother's friends would be like, oh, Harrison, what's that one? What's that one? That one's cool. And I'd tell them what it was. And it was really fun. It kind of started there. And it, it might it might be genetic because my mom's dad, my grandfather, was a mechanic for a very long time. And he always liked cars. So maybe it transitioned to me that way. Skipped a generation. But uh, yeah, I've always had a passion since I was a little kid. And as I got old enough to play video games, I always played racing games like Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit 2, Mario Kart, of course. You can't <laughs> can't forget that one, quintessential racing game. But I'd say my passion for cars started with Hot Wheel cars. A very expensive hobby and passion started with 97 cents, 97 cent Hot Wheels cars. So uh, that's where it started. You can blame Mattel for that. <laughs> Well, thank you, Mattel, for giving Harrison his, his one of his greatest passions. It's an so, expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah, that's where action is good. So, Harrison, I yeah. question. What is your dream car? My dream car? Uh, it was actually my first car. Uh, the Buick Roadmaster station wagon kind of weird kind of a dream a weird dream car but uh, that was my first car i sold it unfortunately it was a 93 i bought it when i was a freshman in high school uh, 10 years ago actually around this time it is just this giant car 18 feet long a big station wagon it's got the wood on the side big powerful v8 uh just the most comfortable other seats inside you know big bench seat in the front you go cruising with that thing it was so fun had a big sunroof over and uh why i really love that car was that was the first car i learned to work on cars and i practiced and learned how to detail on that car uh it really kind of taught me about what it meant to work on a car and the, I guess, uh, lifestyle uh, that, you know, you have as a car guy, if you will. Um, I will say this, though. If you do get into cars or have a classic car or whatever, uh, say goodbye to uh, free weekends because <laughs> you might be spending your free time fixing it and stuff. So uh, have a daily driver if you want to have a classic car. Otherwise, you're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> you're going to be busy fixing it. Uh, but it's, oh, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. And I, <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't think I'd get into detailing for people. I thought it would just be something I'd do on my own. But uh, people picked up on it and started asking me to help them out. I mean, that's how it works, man. People see you when you have a skill, and they're like, "Hey, can you bring that over here? I need your help with this." And um, but I, I remember, I remember your car too. It, it was the perfect beach car. Honestly. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. We we have taken it to the beach, and we uh, we'd hang out in the parking lot back at Brotherin. We were in high school. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you, for those of you, for those of you who don't know, our high school was literally right by a beach. So everything yes. had the perfect car for high school. Unfortunately, uh, a buddy of mine, I don't know if you remember Sam, but he drove by it the other day and he told me, and he, he said that there's all these houses there now. It's a housing development, unfortunately. Uh, it's no longer our high yeah. school. It's, it's sad. Yeah, our, high school, <laughs> our high school died. Our high school died a long time ago. Yeah, it's a strip of uh, townhomes now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally nothing but a memory now. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, was, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there's your passion in cars, and we'll get back to that in a little bit. But let's talk about, you know, your role in data science. So you mentioned your love for numbers. Where do you think yeah. that came from? Was it just always there, just that natural just curiosity, or just something spark it, you think? Yeah, it was kind of weird, I think, what sparked it. But uh, I think my passion for cars is what sparked it. Um, 
I liked every part of the car. <laughs> One of them that stood out to me was the license plate. So even as a little kid, I would try and figure out the patterns or the numbers and what they meant, which is very weird <laughs> for a little kid to be interested in that. But um, I went ahead and did that and I started getting more into it. Uh, you know, I always struggled with math. <laughs> But picking up on patterns, I was pretty good at uh, as a kid. So that's, that's probably what got me into it was probably cars, which is ironic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, with your love for you know David uh, ability with numbers and your patterns and just your absolute passion for cars. And for a time, I imagined you you would be working. You know, you ever thought you, you ever find yourself working? I'm thinking that you might work at like you know. A company like Lexus or Tesla or Nissan. I was like, yeah, could have been an engineer. Yeah, you know, I I could have. I I always can. You know, never say never. <laughs> um, if I were to go back to school, an opportunity came up. But it's I've always had a dream of working for a manufacturer. Uh, unfortunately, I don't work with cars now. I work with buses and trains and public transportation. So it's similar. It's just a different type of transportation. Yeah. Um, the the cool thing is, uh, it's really cool what car companies do. They they put a lot of passion to their products. Usually, not all of them do, but yeah, I have. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I have dreamed of doing work in some capacity with an auto manufacturer, whether it being in the office, testing, development, whatever. Uh, it's it's always been a goal of mine at some point to have a job in the automotive industry. Now I I have a job in public transportation right now, which is just as fun. I do feel very passionately and strongly about how important that is. Uh, but, you know, uh, one day if a job opens up at Nissan or General Motors or Tesla or Toyota or whatever, yeah, of course I jump on it. <laughs> yeah. So let's just talk about right now your work with um, LA Metro. So how do you feel each position uh, and your education sort of prepared you for uh, your position with them? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, in, at Vanguard, even though I was a kinesiology major, that is the study of movement. And we talked about the scientific method a lot, a lot of different, you know, processes, uh, procedures we learned about, um, a lot of uh, steps, planning ahead, foresight. And it did give me a lot of useful tools that I've been able to apply in my current job. Uh, I had to make a lot of flashcards. I had to study a lot outside of class. Uh, it's been a long time reading and prepping for stuff. So it, it definitely gave me foresight uh, and some communication skills, too, that have benefited me. Of course, we learned a lot about how things worked as a kinesiology major, how the body worked and how the human body moved. And uh, I guess the skills and diligence I needed to have to learn all those things, uh, I've been able to put towards uh, my day-to-day -day work at Metro because um, we have a lot of different systems, a lot of bus lines, a lot of train rail lines, if you will. And we have to know how they work, how they fit together, um, where the operators can go on their breaks. It's just a lot of different uh, things that need to come into place so that the uh, rider or the customer uh, or the guest even can get their uh, transportation needs met. Because <laughs> if um, all the pieces, all the moving parts, they don't fit together, then of course the delivery of the product won't work. It'll be late. It'll be inconsistent. Um, there'll be mechanical issues. Uh, there'll be staffing issues, a, a number of things. Um, usually we just do reports and stuff, but uh, those reports are very important because they go out to the divisions and the division managers who manage all the operators or drivers need to know that information. So um, there's always kind of a, a time crunch uh, at LA Metro, it's, it's L-A-C-M-T-A. Uh, the M-T-A stands for may take a while. That's kind of an inside joke we have <laughs> within the agency. But the reality is, uh, even though it may seem like it take a while, um, we're always uh, constantly crunching to get reports out, the product out, whatever it may be, so that the uh, customer can get to work on time. Mm, interesting. So you just everything in just every every way, shape, or form, just from Vanguard all the way up to the last job at Disney, you just you just saw how 
you were able to apply your skills and your knowledge into uh, LA Metro, utilize them with the jobs you do. And I understand there's a lot of attention and detail and a lot of like um, making sure that you know everything's in place and that nothing's late. Just you ever feel like sometimes when you're working that job, there's just the um, amount of pressure can come from like mellow to just high and uh, yes, or is it state? That is very true. I I was in a different department. I was in transit service delivery. I'm in service development right now. We work mostly with just data, but in my previous department I was there in, uh, we worked directly with the divisions a lot. Uh, and we had a really big project. It was the regional connector, which connected the blue line with the gold line uh, and the expo line uh, with the former gold line. It, it connected all the lines together. So the A line combined with the L line and then the E line combined with the other part of the L line. Uh, and they had built, uh, it been like a 10 year project. They built three new stations. Uh, and one thing I got to work on was the uh, grand opening. Uh, for those three new train stations in the new uh, train line, if you will. Uh, and as a uh, just a temp entry-level employee, it was pretty exciting. And the funny thing was that previous week, I pretty much finished all my reports early. So I was kind of sitting there at my desk, like taking classes on LinkedIn Learning. I'm like, I got nothing to do. I'm just killing time. So I, I did that. And then uh, someone on my floor, Chris, he came to me and he's like, hey, Harrison, anything to do? And I'm like, no. And he's like, hey, you want to help me with the regional connector opening? I'm like, yeah, of course. I've been wanting to work on this thing because right when I came on board, they're all talking about the regional connector opening. And I was like, man, I, I wish I could work on this. This sounds so cool. So I, I kind of prayed for an opportunity to work on it. And after working there a couple months, a uh, week before the grand opening, I got pulled on the project. So uh, it wasn't the most exciting work, but uh, it was pretty cool to have a hand in that, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's gotta be, you know, cause you're really one way or another, you're contributing to something huge, you know, something that makes you really appreciate the work you do. Yeah. Like you it said, even though it's not with, go ahead. Oh no, it wasn't, it wasn't the most exciting work. It was just, uh, helping with the training, uh, for all the staff helping out. I had to help coordinate the training and then I had to make a bunch of sign in sheets to make sure the people were showing up to the right station and actually doing their job. So it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, there you go. There you go. So yeah. What's something that's surprised you when taking this job? Something that you did not know that you were just like, huh, that's, that's interesting. That's surprising. The, the shocker is, um, I didn't know I'd have that job. I didn't know I'd be working there uh, for sure. I thought I would have either stayed at Alliant and before that, I thought I would have gone into the medicine, the medical industry uh, in some capacity. So uh, my father uh, works at Metro. He's worked there uh, the last 35 years and he's really passionate about his work there and he always liked the job and I always loved visiting uh, it was a really cool big office and it's right next to a train station so I was a little kid just the sights and the sounds of that it's very overwhelming and cool and I, I never thought I'd get to work there it's in the heart of downtown LA and it's very exciting so I think the idea that I'm working there that's the most uh, surprising part because I, I never saw myself working there I never thought I would yeah, I can definitely understand that. It's so crazy how you end up in places you never imagined you'd be. And yeah. I myself, I've got plenty of stories on that. But, well, but it's not just that. You're learning about, like you said, it's not um, automo um, automobiles, but like you know, trains and buses. Yeah. Transportation, but it's different kinds. Yeah. So what are some, what are some things you learned about those um, methods of transportation that um, you hadn't known before that you would like to indulge with us? Yeah. Well, the uh, a lot of interesting stuff happens on the train. Uh, 
you know, people, sometimes it breaks down. Sometimes there's a mechanical failure. Sometimes people uh, wander on the trains who shouldn't be on there. <laughs> so there's just a lot more moving parts than just, uh, like you'd say, for a car. Um, like everyone kind of has to be doing their job, uh, whether the operators or the people in the office or even uh, the ambassadors who greet the riders and make sure they have the best experience possible on our system. It's just, uh, it's just crazy how much work goes into it. I even took a rail safety course to get certified so I, I can be a wayside worker or help with that if I ever need to go on the tracks or willing I hope I don't have to but uh, it's it is kind of interesting how uh, many steps are in place or procedures like it's uh, at first it seemed like oh this is extremely bureaucratic why are we doing all this extra stuff like all these extra precautions and steps but um, after working in this field for a while you, you kind of see how important it is it, it not only uh, makes sure the job gets done it keeps people safe because uh, if there's an issue with the bus or something you know it it could catch fire it could injure people uh, it could cause a car accident uh, so it's important that um, everyone's kind of doing their job as for the trains it's important they're on time <laughs> you know and it's it's definitely I, I started taking public transit working the job. I never saw myself doing that, but it kind of ignited a passion for it and how important it is. I mean, not only do you save money on gas, but one of the benefits of public transportation versus a car is it's a lot more beneficial for the environment. There's, um, I don't know, 45 people uh, riding in the same vehicle to work rather than 45 cars on the 405 freeway going to work. You know, it's... Uh, it's kind of cool, the environmental benefits of it, you know, and you get to read. You get to read while you're riding on the train. Talk to friends on the phone. Uh, you don't have to focus on the road. <laughs> so it's it's a different world. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, it's taught me a lot. Um, it's uh, one of my favorite things. It's kind of humbling, but... Uh, I love uh, helping out with the big events, whether it be a football game or a train station opening or something or a line change. Uh, sometimes when we're in the office, we have to go out and help in the field. So I put on a reflective vest, my work boots, and I go out there and start interacting face-to-face -face with the riders. And that's, that's probably the favorite part of my job because they ride our system. They're the star of the show. You know, they're the guest if you will, like if you worked at Disney, um, they're, they're kind of uh, who it's all about. So it's really cool being able to meet with the rider face to face and make sure their needs are met, make sure they're safe. Uh, one of the funniest things happened was uh, I had a football game, a USC football game I'd help out at. And uh, my job was to make sure people stayed off the tracks. I'm like, people won't go on the tracks. But uh, every few minutes when a train was coming, people would be walking or running onto the tracks. They're like, oh, my friend's over there. I got to catch up to him. I'm like, let the train pass, okay? There's a train coming. <laughs> and there'd be people on their phones distracted wandering onto the tracks. So, you know, it's, it's fun. New challenges for sure. So to answer your question, long story short, uh, how dangerous it can be. That's the, the big thing um, when compared to just automobiles because buses and trains are huge and they, they can't stop on a dime like a car can. So, yeah, different animal. Yeah, no, the way you were describing how you got to make sure that, you know, trains and buses don't get into accidents or catch fire or cause injury or even death. I'm like, okay, yeah, that is a lot of pressure on yeah. you guys right there. Cause we don't do that directly in my department, but um, we help. Like, I'm, I'm working on a chart right now, a map uh, of all the bathrooms a bus operator can use on their break and where they can go and where they're at. And that may sound kind of silly, but if you're on a busload of people, you need to relieve yourself. You need to know a good spot to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you can't just get out of the bus and pee on the street. I mean, you could, but uh, you probably wouldn't have your job very long if you did that. <laughs> No, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't be ideal. That's but yeah, funny. in the in that world, uh, you kind of think, oh, this is really silly. But um, as you work further in it, you realize the importance of all the rules because they're they're there for a reason. You know, they keep us safe. So yeah, there you go, there you go, keeping keeping us all safe. So that's your experience with LA Metro, and it's, yeah, it's really really amazing. <laughs> 
it's so amazing how you've uh, ended up here and you, you have so much further to go and so much more you want to do with these folks. But, uh, you know, just take us through, uh, there's one more thing I want to, I got to think about, because you mentioned some of the um, challenges, some of the things you have to watch out for and um, be ready for maintain what you're working suspicion but what are some small challenges that you might not see that can like turn out like real um turn like really big yeah um one i would say is kind of the political term kicking the can down the road <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> uh, i'd say the issue is when I have a project that may seem too big, because um, I, do, I do struggle a little bit with ADHD, my tendency initially is to kind of get anxious, like want to just push it down the road, like, uh, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll get to that next week. I'll have more time next week when I'm more rested or whatever. I get this other project done. And uh, when I find I can break down my work into bite-sized chunks, I can get it done. Uh, what I've noticed, it may seem like a small problem, but if I put off replying to even an email or put off uh, getting started on a project at work, it, it doesn't get done as fast as it should or even as fast as I'd like it to be, the pressure or goal I put on myself. So I, even though it may seem not like a big deal, I, I think a really important thing with any job is to... If you can take notes when someone's giving you instructions, like a boss, even a coworker, a supervisor, um, I think that's a really important thing to do. Even though it's a small thing, um, you'll have every detail. And if you deliver the project to them, they're like, hey, you didn't do this. Well, it says right here you wanted this, not that. So I learned taking notes helped me. And uh, replying to emails as soon as I get them or as soon as possible uh, has really helped me stay organized because I don't open up my computer and see a hundred unread emails. I just have one or two every time. So um, I'd say just staying on top of things and it's a daily struggle for me, <laughs> but if you take the small steps to get stuff done, it helps me out. Um, there was another thing, but I'll, I'll come back to that later. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So there you go, folks. Take small steps, stay organized, reply to those emails. Once you get them, even if you know you don't want to talk to that person. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, my God. But so let's just take it all the way back to, you know, your love for um, for cars. Because yeah. I know you love to go to uh, auto shows. Oh, yes. And I'm, I'm going to the OC Auto Show next week. <laughs> yeah, see? There you go. Yep. There you go. You have I'm going to learn more about the latest. Yep. <laughs> But um, as you've been to each one, what's something you uh, ap appreciate about just the way they have designed each of the and just produce each of the cars on display? Yeah, well, I like it um, when an auto manufacturer is very uh, ambitious or very, uh, you know, they're shooting for the stars of what they got. Like some years, manufacturers only have a couple cars on display, but I really like it when they have not only all their cars on display, but they have concepts. They have uh, cars that could be coming out in the future. Uh, they're testing different technologies. I'm not a big fan of electric cars, um, but it is cool to see what manufacturers are doing with them and that they're actually closer to normal cars now. They, and even hybrids, like, and usually when people think of an electric car, they think of uh, like a smaller car, like a Nissan Leaf or the hybrid, the Honda Insight, stuff like that. But it, it is cool what they're doing with the designs now. They look great. Like Tesla, for example, uh, before Tesla came out, nobody thought electric cars were cool. <laughs> now everyone wants one. Uh, but it is really cool when they have the concepts on display. Uh, I really like it when manufacturers have like trivia about their cars or they have prizes. Like you spin the wheel and you get a gift card somewhere or a giveaway. Sometimes they have little remote control tracks where you can control a mini version of their car. Sometimes they have video games, uh, like a football toss, whatever. I love it when manufacturers have something interactive because even though there's all those cars there, you can kind of get overwhelmed. Like, okay, which one do I look at? What are you guys about? It's kind of cool when they have like a game or something to do. That's my favorite part of the show because if I'm with a friend or whatever at the show and they may not like cars as much as I do or whatever, they can have a good time at the show too because they're doing something else. Like some manufacturers have bands playing, they have a guy dancing on stage or whatever. <laughs> they they just have something 
interesting something else to do other than the cars, which is ironic because you go to the car show for the cars. But I, I feel like it's the presentation that makes it more memorable, you know, when people bring their A game. Yeah, see, exactly right there. Yeah, people got to show 110% with their products. That's what's going to get people coming towards them. Now, that makes me wonder, where was the time where you went to the show and you were unimpressed with a particular car or a particular company? Yes. Um, that's a good question. Well, one time uh, I went to an auto show. I went to the Orange County Auto Show, and I, I like that one because there's a little bit less people at it, so I'm able to spend more time checking out the car, and uh, I won these tickets from the OC Register newspaper, so my dad and I went. We went a couple hours before they opened up, so we got to go when some of the press people were there, and so it was really cool. Um, and they had one of my dream cars as a kid. It was the Chevrolet SS. It's a four-door sedan, big boat sedan, but it had a, a big V8 in it and it went fast and it was loud, made a lot of noise. And they had that car on display. It was a brand new car at the time. It was just a con it was just getting out of the concept. It's just being manufactured now and I was so excited to finally see it. Because I always read about it in the magazines and I saw the concept the previous year at the LA Auto Show. And then when I went to the LA Auto Show, they didn't have it on display at Chevrolet and they didn't have any concept cars on display. They didn't have anything. They had a, they had the Corvette, which is cool. They had a couple of trucks, but I'm like, where's everything else? So I was, I was pretty disappointed. Um, meanwhile, I, I have a Toyota now. I like it, but uh, Toyota had a really cool show and it made me like it more because they had a lot more stuff to look at, a lot more stuff to take in. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's disappointing when a manufacturer like, they don't uh, put any effort into it. You can tell that they didn't put any effort into it because sure. Anyone can, you know, drive a car into the LA convention center and show it off, just park it there. But, um, you gotta kind of have show, um, you know, otherwise nobody's going to be interested. They're just going to be like, no, it's just a car, four wheels in a seat, you know? So you have to, you have to kind of feel the vibe or the passion behind the product, if you will, you know? the vibe and the passion behind the product that's true what a disappointment that must have felt when you just when you just go and they don't have yeah i was a i was a freshman in high school then and of course i didn't even have my license yet but i loved cars so i was i was pretty disappointed with chevy's uh, presentation um for sure <laughs> but uh, but, I am, but i am curious um which uh which kind of cars um have you find yourself following the most uh, american german uh, japanese good question like particular yes uh, um i would say definitely uh for cars i would say american maybe not anymore because they're kind of drifting away from big cars but uh like buick they had a regal station wagon Tourex. i really liked um i really liked the camaro growing up uh i, I really liked american cars i thought the challengers and chargers were cool when i was a kid um but for cars i would say i definitely like american uh for trucks and for more sports cars i i tend to like the uh japanese like i really like uh lexus is a luxury brand for trucks i really like toyota I have a Tacoma. I think they're really good trucks. And I always love seeing their presentations at the auto show because like Toyota and Nissan, they're very cool with how they present their trucks. Like they'll put it on a fake mountain. They'll have some uh, extreme sports celebrity downing monster energy drinks on the projector screen in the background, doing flips on a snowboard or on a mountain bike. Like they, they know how to promote them. Exactly. <laughs> and they, um, I don't know. I, I, I really like the attention to detail that the Japanese manufacturers have with their trucks. Uh, I rented a Nissan Frontier when my Tacoma was getting fixed in the shop, and I, I really liked it, too. Um, and I, I test drove a Chevy Colorado. I used to really like Chevy trucks, but they're they're really starting to cheap out. And you can tell that they're, as a corporation, are disconnected from their product, and it it's starting to show with their uh, product. So that's uh, that's why I'm not really into uh, American trucks as much anymore because they're not um, not putting the amount of effort into them I feel like they should, you know. 
I see, I see. Yeah. It's so interesting how each country will come out and just have like their own specific like vision or idea with uh, how they create their cars. Like you take with Germany, you know, you have yeah. like the Volkswagen and yeah. um, this Mercedes too. Here we came with, and then yeah. with uh, with Japan, they have like Toyotas, like Subarus, and then America yeah. here with the Fords. It's like it's all it's all so cool because it's just. There's so much variety. Yeah, that's a good word. There's always variety, and every manufacturer is different. Um, you were mentioning the Germans. Um, one German brand I do always like was uh, Mercedes, just because they always had a really classy, high-end presentation. Like you, whenever you walked onto their side of the auto show, you felt like you were uh, entering like some secret club or something like that. You know, the marble floors and everything. They they always went all out. So it is interesting. Everyone, every every manufacturer has their own idea of how to make a car and uh you know uh, everyone has their own idea of what they like you know and there's nothing wrong with that that is so true that is so true so you have a dream car oh i'll let you continue do i have a dream car um mm -hmm. actually i do it's a uh, lexus nx uh, 300 i'm nice. uh, really yeah i'm really um into a little suv lexus. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just yeah. It was. I remember driving it as a rental car once, mm -hmm. and just the feel of it, and just being able to drive it. I was like, okay, I guess I make some money. This is the car I'm going to be driving. Good for a long time. <laughs> it was the. Uh, it was a Dodge Challenger. Oh, nice. Like, I'm, yeah, like old school. Yeah, muscle car. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. But after driving the Lexus, I was like, eh, my mom has a Lexus. After driving that, so I was like, okay, you know what? I can get used to this. I'll, I'll take a Lexus. Well, it's kind really of a really kind of a cars. goal. <laughs> kind of a goal you're working towards, then. Yeah. In a way, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Plus, Lexus are really great on gas. Yeah, no, they're great. <laughs> they're nice. Yeah, so it's like okay, but it's like okay, if I get this, I'm saving money. Uh, yes, yeah. with this thing and other things, but uh, yeah. So we've gone to that, and now I just want to go into some more of your auto detailing uh, service because yeah, you've been uh, doing that for quite some time, and I know just with each time, you're only just getting better and more detailed and just more precise with it. So you're just racking up some good money. So how do you? see your passion for cars just growing more and more with each job you do yeah well that's a good question and public transportation working with vehicles it's definitely fueled <laughs> so to speak my uh, passion for cars even more um i i really do like detailing i like it because it's kind of like for me it's kind of like a slate someone brings in a filthy car neglected paint maybe just a filthy interior that a kid made a mess in or a dog or something made a mess in, and everyone you know, has a unique problem and uh, they don't have the time to or energy to fix it. So they bring it to me. Uh, right now, my business is just word of mouth, friends and family. And that's been able to support me for many weekends of the year. Uh, at some point, I would like to expand. It's just a matter of finding the time for it. Uh, but it's great because the need that someone has, a lot of people have. And uh, I like it because um, sometimes I'm able to find new ways uh, to solve a problem. You know, there's a bunch of ways to wash a car, a bunch of ways to wax it, stuff like that. And um, I started when I was 18, 17 or 18, when I was in high school. Uh, my brothers wanted their cars washed, and so did my parents. So I started doing it, and they were really impressed with it. So they started telling their friends and their family, their other family about it. And I kind of went from there. So I was driving my station wagon at the time to people's houses. with The back was just loaded with detailing supplies, and I'd get to work on people's cars. And they were really happy with it. That's how I'd repeat customers. So uh, I wouldn't have had that if it wasn't for, of course, my name getting out there, stuff like that. But uh, I think the attention to detail was what really helped me uh, in that customer satisfaction because if they weren't satisfied I wouldn't be here talking about detailing cars I probably would have given that up a while ago <laughs> mm. so it's it's kind of more of a passion like it's a hobby but it also makes me money on the side so you can't go wrong with that <laughs> 
No, no, definitely not. And you're right. You are doing something you, know, you enjoy as a passion to it because you're taking that time, using your energy, making money, you know, just continuing to, I like to say, beautify something you love. Absolutely. Automobiles. And so if you choose, should you choose to, or when you choose to, you know, expand uh, your business, you know, get more customers, you know, maybe set up a billboard or two. What is something that you, you have been most wary of and just want to um, prepare yourself for? Um, yeah. You expand. If I expand, I mean, Lord willing, if I do it full time one day, who knows? Uh, but uh, mine is uh, either losing clients or uh, just burning out. Like it's a lot of fun, uh, but there is a lot of manual labor that comes with detailing cars and it's good to you know, uh, use proper techniques and stuff while doing it, try to avoid excessive fatigue. But, um, my main concern is just, uh, I was probably say losing clients or, uh, people stop wanting to have their cars detailed due to the economy being bad, whatever, you know, you name it, times are tough right now. So kind of that coupled with, um, me getting really, really sore and doing it wrong and getting burnt out from it. So just uh, overworking myself is one of my fears with that because I love doing it, but I'm worried that I'm going to love it so much that I'm going to stretch myself too thin with it. You know, that's just uh, kind of a concern of mine. Yeah, that's true. Burnout is absolutely real. And yeah, never, 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 never work yourself insane, even if you love what you do. Amen. Yes, exactly. So, but hey, you know, I believe you end up doing it full time. I believe you can definitely reach the full in business. Like I said, thank you. She's out of shop. You know, well, with my job now, I definitely have a lot more energy for it now. Because when I was uh, when I was working at Disney, it was pretty hard to squeeze in my details. But now I I got a set schedule, and who knows? I might expand to doing that full time. Again, the sky's the limit. <laughs> Exactly. But uh, it's definitely a passion. Uh, one of the cool things of detailing cars is that you don't really think it's going to make that big of a difference. But um, there's been some cars of detail that have been heavily neglected. Um, one of them kind of brought a tear to my eye. Uh, if you don't mind me sharing about it, that's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Eric. You know Eric. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he his grandfather passed away. I think it was sometime last year or very early this year. It was very tragic and unfortunate. Uh, and he had lost the ability to drive a while ago. He was too sick or too ill to do it on his final years. So his car sat and sat and sat. It was a uh, 2012 Chevy Impala, four-door sedan, simple car, uh, roomy, comfortable. Uh, you know, just a car, you know, reliable transportation. And... Um, he had said, hey, Harrison, uh, this car has been sitting. We're trying to sell it. We need money to help with the funeral, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, of course. I'd love to help you detail. So he jumped in and helped me, which was great. Uh, and the car was just really neglected. The paint did not shine. You know, when you see a nice car with the shiny paint, it was just dull. It was like a chalkboard, you know, like that matte, dark. It was like a blackboard, you know, that you'd write in school the shock the pain was pretty bad I, I didn't think we could do it uh, I didn't think the car would come out that great I thought it'd be kind of like lipstick on the pig because the car had sat for years uh, the inside was a mess someone had been borrowing the car who trashed it uh, after the grandfather kept driving it it was pretty sad like they had an animal in there they had food everywhere it smelled horrible it smelled like mold um but he said, you think you can do it? And I'm like, you know what? I know this is important to you. So yes, let's do it. So we jumped in there. We took her to a coin op. We pressure washed it, clay barred it, which it's like a very, very fine abrasive that gets all the imperfections out of the paint. It's like a little, uh, it's like a very, very fine 
uh, grit sandpaper. And uh, it was looking better. We polished it, and then we put a nice uh, hybrid ceramic wax on it. If you don't know what that is, it's uh, it's not like a Brazilian carnauba wax, which uh, comes from a plant. It's a synthetic wax. Actually, it lasts longer. I didn't think it shine as well, but it, it came out great. And we got the outside of the car looking brand new, and, you know, we're done, right? No. So we, we had to do the inside. So we pulled it out. We started vacuuming it. We just started gutting the car. We just started throwing everything away. We were ruthless. I replaced the cabin air filter. We, we wanted to make sure that it was clean and ready to go for the customer who wanted to buy it. So uh, we spent, like, the whole day. We spent probably almost eight hours on that car, which is the longest I've ever spent on a detail. It was bad. It was probably one of the dirtiest cars, second dirtiest cars I've detailed. Um, but we got it done. Paint had a shine to it. looked like a brand new car, polished the headlights so they were bright and shiny and new looking. Uh, it was kind of a labor of love for him and I, especially for him because it was his family who owned the car. But it was kind of for me too because uh, this car told a story. You know, to someone on the road, it's just a, uh, you know, a four-door car, a little sedan, but to them, you know, their grandpa, he drove it to Tijuana. He uh, drove it out of state. He took a lot of trips with that car um, and he took trips to see other families. So it kind of, it kind of was a piece of history in their family. So that's why I decided to take on the project. I wouldn't have done it. Probably I wouldn't have had the time to, but I, I knew that this car meant something. So that's why I did it. And when I brought it home, he said, um, Hey, uh, should we just park it at the house? And I said, you know what? Let's take it to your mom's house. Let's show it to your mom and your grandma. I think they'll, um, they'll want to see it. And I told him that not because I didn't want to brag or anything. I wanted to make sure I did a good job. <laughs> I wasn't completely satisfied with the work. I was a little concerned, and I'm like, you know what? It has to be perfect. This was your grandpa's old car. Let's make sure we did it right and show it to your mom. So we brought it, uh, and the look on their face, it kind of brought a tear to my eye because that was their grandfather's car. And uh, it's just a car, but it's kind of cool what it represented, and I was really happy to kind of bring it back. And the, the grandmother started crying, and she had told me, she said, it looks just the way he bought it. And they said he always kept it up so nice. And uh, last time we saw it this nice was the last time he drove, and that was a very long time ago. So it was really cool to be able to kind of share that heartfelt moment with that family just by detailing a car. You know, it was just kind of a day-to-day -day side hustle thing for me, and I never thought I'd uh, have an emotional moment <laughs> washing a car, you know? Yeah, beautiful story, man. Absolutely beautiful. And hear the, just to hear the reactions and to you know all the efforts um, you put into that car, paid off. Yeah, it's just probably best uh, best detailing story yet, honestly. Thanks. But, and you know what? There'll be more of that to come, I imagine. So Amen. After a job Nothing like that. Well, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode 44 of the upcoming. I want to give another gigantic thank you to my buddy, Harrison Sutton. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and your stories with us, Harrison. Of course. Pleasure is mine. Honored to be on the show. Happy to be here. <laughs> Honored to have you on the show, man. So, Thanks. like I said... You're welcome. That, like I said, that's it for episode 44 of the upcoming. I mean, if you want to see more of these uh, videos, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Pandora. We will be on uh, Apple Podcasts soon, so just be ready. If you have that, you can also follow us or, or find us on the um, dash upcoming.simplecast.com and find our website, upcomingwithjohn.com and yeah, also be sure to follow us on Instagram at uh, the underscore upcoming podcast. We're just getting started here, folks. If you've been with us, I know we were uh, on a little hiatus for a bit, but you know, we're back. We're coming back with more and more. This is not over. Far from it, folks. So yeah, that's all and good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at the underscore upcoming podcast. The best yet to come. Take care, everybody.